Welcome back to Nightfalls, the bedtime show of classic and original stories designed to guide you into a calm and peaceful sleep. I'm Jeffrey, and this evening, let's settle in for the story of a night Devani and I spent on the beach, wrapped up warm and cozy in our tent, whilst a storm raged on around us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1, since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. To my mind... Winter had always carried a certain weight to it. Whilst summer was all air, lightness, and green leaves rustling in the breeze, winter was heavy ice and hardened soil. Perhaps summer might have made a more appropriate time for a camping trip, but it wasn't until the frost thickened that Devani confessed that she found herself craving a little adventure. Devani and I shared much in common. We both thought the best time to swim in the lake was when the moon hung high in the night sky. We both liked long, lazy mornings followed by big breakfasts. Perhaps most importantly, we both preferred wholemeal bread, even though neither of us were willing to stomach the crusts. 
Lyra had told me off once for eating around them, and berated the pair of us for our antics. You're adults, she had huffed. There's no such thing as an adult who won't eat their crusts. Devani had been quick to remind Lyra that the greatest thing about being an adult was that nobody could make you eat your crusts anymore, nor your Brussels sprouts. I haven't eaten a single one since the day I moved out, she said that afternoon, setting aside her lunch plate with all four crusts stacked neatly to one side of it. We tried our very best not to waste anything living out in the mountains. And thanks to my schnauzer, Otto, for whom I'm sure sustainability was the primary concern, hardly any of the food we failed to eat ever made it to the bin. Otto worked even faster than the seagulls I'd spent lunchtimes guarding my chips from on holiday. No stone went unturned, and no plate went unpolished. Devani also shared my desire to be out amongst the elements. To feel the wind on my face. Whilst others fled indoors and cozied up around warm hearths as storms rolled in, Devani and I wanted to be out there. The rain soaking into our skin as we howled with the wind. I could think of tens of nights we had shared like that, out in the clearing with the elements rallying around us. There was truly no greater show that nature put on than that of a good storm. It would have been impossible to live out in the mountains without listening closely to nature, appeasing her and treating the forest with the respect she commanded. Time and proximity to the magical power that ebbed over the clifftop in the waterfall had granted both Devani and I senses that expanded beyond the sight, smell, touch, taste and hearing we had grown up with. I would never find the words to aptly describe my connection to nightfall soil, but beneath my feet, I felt the earth breathe. At night, when I stretched out lazily on the soft sands of the beach, I tried to breathe with her. Letting the gentle hum of her breath lull me deeper and deeper into relaxation. Sometimes I even imagined that I could feel the shifting magma beneath the earth's surface, massaging the muscles of my back as I wound down from another day of pottering about the clearing. Unlike me, Devani hadn't grown roots into the earth, but stretched her wings to the sky. Like all the brightest stars, she belonged up there, and shone her very brightest when she soared amongst them. 
trade winds waited for her permission to sweep across the mountains, and clouds never deigned to drift by without forming the fluffed-up shapes that would please her. Sometimes, Devani said she could feel the wind whistling past her ear and whispering to her, telling her of the course it would chart across the mountains, and mapping it out for her, just as she might have mapped out trips on her glider before she took flight. Devani could sense a storm washing in. The winds had tried to warn her of it hours before the first drops of rain began to fall. The earth had grown harder still beneath my feet, as if bracing itself against whatever was to come, but still, the whistling breeze was not enough to deter Devani. Do you still have your tent? She asked me at midday, when the winter sun had reached the highest point in the sky and set to gently falling toward the horizon, plunging the earth into darkness earlier than it had managed to in all the winter days that had come before. I do. I smiled, wondering if we were sharing the same idea and if I ought to say mine aloud first so she couldn't claim the whole plan to have been entirely her own when we relayed our adventures to Anwin and the others the next day. Let's take the camping stuff down to the beach and watch the storm from there, she asserted. I rather respected her capacity to speak in terms of certainty. To her mind, I much suspected she had never had an idea that wasn't fabulous, flawless, and previously unthought of. I rather loved that about her. Her particular brand of unerring confidence was catching, and I'd felt it ebbing into my own thoughts as that winter settled in. Though we had both thought to watch the storm play out, Devani's suggestion of a trip to the beach was better than my own. I had thought to wander to the top of the nearest mountain peak and watch the surge from there. But she was quite right. A storm out over the ocean was far more spectacular. In any event, the day had been a long one and I would much rather have spent an hour walking downhill toward the coast than make the arduous trek up to the summit. We had certainly seen the winds whip around the clearing, stripping the last of the autumn leaves from the trees enough times to crave a slightly different show. The walk was made easy with the wind at our backs and gravity tugging us gently down through the ravine and away from the falls. Lyra's cottage sat on the trail that led out of the mountains and down towards the beach. I hadn't thought she would be particularly keen on the evening's planned excursion, but we asked if she might like to join us nonetheless. 
we let ourselves into the cottage, already feeling a little windswept, and found Lyra cozied up in her rocking chair before the fireplace. In the kitchen, a cauldron bubbled away. The distinct and concentrated scent of magic emanated from whatever concoction she was brewing over the hob, and an old grimoire sat tattered, splayed open, and splotched with spillages on her countertop. Like all of the most reasonable, rational people I knew, Lyra had no intention of joining us out in my flimsy canvas tent with a storm set to blow through the mountains. I much suspected that when Lyra was a girl, the belief one could catch a cold simply from being out in it, or getting your hair wet in the rain, still held strong. She tended to evade the harsher weather, and though she couldn't insist that we did too, she could insist that we took ample snacks from her pantry and a potion to protect the tent and ourselves from the elements. When we finally set off once more and made our way around the chrysanthemums at the back of Lyra's cottage, my rucksack felt notably heavier than it had before. Lyra had tucked three types of cookies and two rounds of sandwiches into my bag for us. She made Devani promise that we wouldn't let ourselves go hungry or cold as she tucked a vial of her warding and protection spell into the drinks pocket of my rucksack. Only after she had been assured we would cast the enchantment over our tent as it was up were we allowed to continue on our way down the sloping hillside toward the beach at the foot of the most western mountain peaks. Darkness had just begun to sweep across the sky when we made camp. I said a silent thank you to myself for remembering how to pitch the tent quickly before the darkness descended entirely and made the job nigh on impossible. I relished evenings bathed by the starlight on Nightfall's beach, but something about putting up a tent in a hurry took me right back to my childhood. To the dens I'd built in the woods with my friends, to the camping badge I'd earned in the scouts, to the school trips where teachers had armed us with maps and compasses and promised us that if we stuck together and worked as a team, we would make it back to the bus before lunchtime. As I worked on detangling the guy ropes, I realized that perhaps all of my happiest memories had seen my boots muddied by long hours spent exploring woodland. When Devani and I had hammered the last of the guy ropes into the sand, we came to settle in the cozy confines of the tent, leaving the door unzipped so we could finally take in our surroundings. The sands of that beach were almost always abandoned. 
I had scarcely seen a set of footprints treading across it that I couldn't recognize as having been my own from some prior visit. That evening, with the beginnings of the storm having already swept across the beach, the sand lay flat, swept over neatly by the wind. Could I not recall lazy summer afternoons spent there with my friends? It would have been easy to imagine the sands that slipped quietly into the sea on the western coast of Scotland had never before been disturbed. The beach was wide, its sands off ivory. The ocean tended to roll gently against the shoreline, but that evening, as we snuggled deep into heavy sleeping bags and joined hands to cast Lyra's incantation, the ocean roared. The seas rolled without direction the waters washing into themselves over and over, throwing white spray high into the night sky. Seahorses raced for miles off in the distance, and Vanny wondered aloud how far they had chased on the tail of that storm, and how far they might still have to travel. Sea fret thickened in the distance as the night wore on. The mist drew nearer and nearer still, washing toward the shoreline and making our little tent feel cosier with every inch of ground it gained on us. As the storm drew in, we snacked on the cookies that Lyra had gifted us. Hands wrapped tight around warm mugs of tea I'd poured from my flask, we set to dunking our biscuits and indulged in a few moments of tea-infused peace, relishing the last moments of calm before the storm. As was usually the case, I was overzealous with my dunking and lost half a shortbread biscuit to the bottom of my brew. By the time the Tupperware was empty, the dark of night had laid itself thick across the sky. It was so cosy wrapped up beside one another in the tent that night that I think we might have drifted off to sleep had the brightest bolt of lightning not split the sky before our very eyes. I stifled a yelp and instinctively reached for Devani, hoping in the seconds after that I'd come off more as the comforting boyfriend than a grown man who had been startled by a lightning strike miles off in the distance. I was sure Devani had seen right through my act, and my suspicions were confirmed by the half-smile I felt her suppressing as she buried her head in the crick of my neck and shifted a little closer to me. Softly under her breath, Devani began to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, 
She caught to before thunder roared somewhere in the darkness above. How's your mats? Devani asked, lightning still dancing across the glass of her eyes. Terrible. <laughs> That's why I studied law. I laughed and tried not to look too pleased with myself when I noticed that Devani was laughing too. Well, whatever 12 divided by 5.5 is, that's how far away the storm is from us in miles. She smiled. Lightning threaded itself through the clouds above the horizon once more, burning bright enough to obscure even the stars from sight for a moment. When the eye of the storm finally began to whip up the sands on the beach, I found myself rather thankful for Lyra's protection potion, and even more grateful to be sharing the cosy confines of my tent with Devani, whose eyes grew wider and wider still as the elements rallied around us. Lightning struck just off the coast, and for a moment, it seemed as though all the ocean blazed the same startling gold as the bolt that had cut into it. A thunderclap chased after it, one louder than any of the sky's prior rumblings. In the beginning, we had listened out intently, hoping to hear the faint murmur of the thunder off in the distance. But as the storm descended... It was almost as though the sound wrapped around us and rumbled through us. I could feel it vibrating in my chest when I spoke and watched the dregs of my tea wobble in my mug as the full force of nature made itself known. When Devani's count was finally growing longer, and it was safe to assume the storm was retreating. I wondered if the winds would make it all the way to the Americas and create the same chaos there. Devani and I relished the quiet that lay in the wake of the storm and sat side by side in the easiest silence two people have ever shared. Eventually, when enough time had passed, and the seas had settled. The birds began to chirp once more and set to mending their nests. Devani tested the silence, starting a story of her own with just a whisper, as if to see if a voice might fit into the space carved out by that quiet, or if with her words the walls would collapse and give way to chaos once more. When I was a girl, I was so afraid of storms, she began. I tried not to look surprised, but it was difficult to imagine her as anything other than utterly formidable. I used to hide beneath the covers, and when I could no longer bear it, I would wake my mum up and insist she wait out the storm with me. When I was old enough to understand it, she told me the same tale that her mother and father told her when the thunder and lightning had kept her up at night. 
Devani lit a candle I hadn't known she was carrying in her rucksack, and suddenly, as she leaned in to begin her tale, it felt rather as though we were back around the campfire in nightfalls. This story starts long ago when the earth was much younger, and animals still made an effort to socialize with and live amongst humans. The thunder you have so often heard rumbling in the sky came from humble beginnings and started life as a sheep. That sheep, thunder, gave birth to a ram, lightning, and together they shared a home on the outskirts of a quiet, calm village in Nigeria. For a time they lived peacefully, but as the ram grew, so too did his temper. Life had been slower back then. No one much minded what their neighbor did, or said, or had. Everyone managed to get along without too much trouble, save for the ram, of course. He would tear through the village, creating havoc whenever something upset him. The young ram had such a temper on him that whenever he was in a bad mood, just like the lightning you know today, he would start fires, knock down trees, and storm around the village creating chaos. His mother, the sheep, could often be heard calling out to him to calm him, demanding that he stop and take a moment to think. The deep rumble of her voice carried all the way across the village like thunder and could no doubt be heard by all. When the ram had rubbed nearly every single one of the villagers up the wrong way, they took up the issue with the king. The village had once been so peaceful, a perfect, sleepy corner of Africa where flamingos cooled off in the lake and aardvarks felt safe sniffing around the streets amongst the townsfolk. The crops had always flourished, and if the ram would just stop tearing through them every time something bothered him, then life could remain plentiful for all. Reasoning with the villagers, the king agreed to ask the sheep and her ram to move a little further out towards the forest, where the ram's outbursts couldn't damage the harvest anymore. Even at such a distance, the villagers could still hear the sheep trying to calm her son's temper as he tore through the forest. The king gave the ram ample chances to calm himself and see reason but ultimately came to the conclusion that it would be best for all if the sheep and her tearaway son were banished from the earth to live in the skies as thunder and lightning. So, whenever you see a bolt of lightning strike the land or sea, there is never any need to worry, because its mother, thunder, is always watching over it.
talking it down, chasing after it and making sure it doesn't do anyone any harm. That is all a roar of thunder really is. Devani finished, smiling fondly as she tasted the tail for perhaps the first time in a few decades. My grandfather brought that tail with him from his childhood in Nigeria. He told it to my mother and her sisters, and I think he once told it to me. But I would have been so young, I'm never sure if I remember him telling it, or if I've heard the tale enough times since that I can fill in the gaps and always imagine him sharing it with me for the first time. To me, stories have always been one of the most precious gifts a person could give or receive. As we settled in for sleep that night, I was glad to know that that was another sentiment Devani and I shared. I wound down from the day to the soft sound of Devani's snores, and wrapped up warm in my sleeping bag, I could hear the faint patter of raindrops against the tense surface. Pitter-patter, pitter-patter, pitter-patter. As time trickled by, I couldn't tell if the storm had been washed out to sea, and the rain was gradually coming to a stop, or if the fading sound of its patter was simply my mind giving itself over to the calm and quiet of a deep sleep.